There's no better place in the world to be right now than right here in the presence of the Lord. I hope you felt that today. I hope that you've just had, I mean, I mean, more than just being here and seeing what's happening and maybe even singing and participating, I hope that you've just really felt the Spirit of God moving. And, and so that's my prayer. T- today we're continuing in our series, Pray For. And, and this series, we always start in January here at the church focusing on prayer and fasting just as a great way to start our year. And this year our focus is praying for others. And, and so today we're going to talk about a topic, um, who we're praying for. I think it's somebody that probably we pray for more than anybody else would be my guess. This will be the one of the five weeks that I think we probably are the most um, comfortable and familiar with praying, and that's our loved ones. We want to pray for those that are close to us, for our family, for our close friends, for the people that we love. And so I want to start by asking you a question. And listen, I, I want you to just, I want you to be free to just respond. In fact, you know, let me just say this. I'm just going to make a deal with you. The more you respond, the quicker this sermon will be. The more you sit there and stare at me like nothing's going on, the longer I'm going to stand here and talk. I'm totally joking with you, uh, but, but listen, I want you to start by responding, so I, I, here's, here's a question I want to ask you. You don't have to say anything out loud. If there's someone near you you want to discuss this with, or maybe you're just thinking of this, what do you pray for most for your loved ones? I'm going to guess that most of us spend at least some time, if not a lot of time, praying for our loved ones. What are the things that you pray for most? I know for me, you can share it. It's okay. You can talk. I'm not going to call you out. It's all good. I want you to respond. I, I know for me, as I'm, every day I have the opportunity to pray for my kids, for my wife, for my family. And, and I pray for a lot of different things. Every one of my kids is unique and has their own personality and their own challenges and their own blessings. And so, so my prayers are different. But what do you pray for most? I would guess for some of you, that's good health. I would guess for some of you, maybe you're praying for happiness or contentment. Maybe you're praying for protection. There's a lot of stuff going on in our world and you just pray. I mean, I know with kids, there's a lot that we pray for protection from, but what do you pray for most? The second question I have for you is this. I want you to really think about this. What do you want most for your loved ones? That's good, all right. There, that's a good response. That's five minutes off the sermon. There you go. Way to go. No, I'm just kidding. Um, what do you want most for your loved ones? I, I'm, I'm convinced salvation. I'm convinced that sometimes we get our priorities in the wrong place. And, and listen, there is nothing wrong with praying for good health. There is nothing wrong with praying for protection. There's nothing wrong with praying for happiness or contentment. But today I want you to hear from God's word and I want you to get a better feel for how you can pray for your loved ones. And, and so I want to start just by reminding you, last week, uh, the focus of last week was Paul, we, we looked at Paul's letter, to the, the, one of his letters to the church of, of Corinth, and that letter talked about the fact that we're not just called to be passive prayers, we're not just called to sit back as God's people and pray for things, but that we are actually called to be a part of what God is doing to change the world around us. And so I just want to start us with that idea as you hear today, as you hear God's word, as you think about what you're going to pray for your loved ones, I want you to remember that as Christ's ambassadors, we are called to pray for and minister to our loved ones. 
God wants to use us to bring about the change in the world around us and in our loved ones. And so today we're gonna be looking at another letter that Paul wrote. We're gonna specifically be looking at a prayer that Paul wrote. And so last week was the second letter to the church in Corinth. Today is a letter to the church in Ephesus. And, And so Paul starts chapter one of Ephesians by telling the story of the gospel. He tells the story of of all the things that God has done. He talks about God's grace. He's chosen us, that God chooses us. He says that we are forgiven by Christ, that we are redeemed, and that we are given a great inheritance. And so Paul has just given this whole picture of the gospel. And, And now Paul moves into this prayer. So I just want to be really clear. This prayer is a prayer for Christians. This prayer is a prayer for the church, but as we read this prayer and as we work through this prayer, I want you to know this prayer is good whether you're praying for a loved one who has been following Christ for 50, 70 years, or whether you're praying for a loved one that doesn't even know Christ or have a relationship with Christ yet, this prayer is great. And so we're gonna look at it. I wanna ask you to stand real quick as I read through Ephesians chapter one. We're gonna do verses 15 to 23. And I'll read it, and you can follow along on the screen. It says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his, his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand, at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. You can have a seat. Father, I pray that you would speak to us and help us to learn, number one, um, how we can know you more, and number two, how we can pray for our loved ones better. Speak to us through your word now, in Jesus' name, amen. So listen, this starts, I'm I'm gonna try to work through this quick. This starts, Paul starts by saying, um, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith, In the Lord Jesus Christ, in your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Paul is writing this to the people of Ephesus, people that he loved, people that he he worked with in the church, and he's writing, and he has heard great reports about God's love and how it's been at work in his people. And so, good things have happened. When when we talk about this prayer, this is a prayer for people who know and follow Christ, and not only know and follow Christ, but God has been doing awesome things through these people. And Paul says, ever since I've heard about what God's doing in your life, I pray for you more and more. I continually pray for you. Listen, I want to start by saying this. When, When you think of your loved ones, 
Some of your loved ones may have been followers of Christ. Maybe they are even ahead of you in the journey. Maybe their faith is even deeper than your faith is. But listen, there is always room to grow. Paul says, I've seen what God is doing in your life, but I continue to pray for you because we will never get to the point until we make it to heaven that we have reached the pinnacle. There is always room to grow. And so here, I just want to say this. My prayer for our church, we have seen a lot of awesome things. I mean, we celebrate baptisms. We are a giving, loving church. I'm so thankful for that. My prayer is that we would continue to grow that we would continue to become more like Christ. Paul keeps going. In verse 17, he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So when you ask the question, how should I pray for my loved ones? The first thing, the first answer, the most important answer you can get is given right there. The number one thing is to know God more. Paul says, I've seen what God's done in your life. I pray that you would know him better. Let's talk about that word know. So there are things that, there are people that we know, and then there are people that we really know. I'm a big Shaquille O'Neal fan. I've told you that many times. Shaquille O'Neal, basketball player. If you, if you don't know who Shaquille O'Neal is, I'm so sorry. Wonderful basketball player. I mean, you, also a rapper, a, a very successful actor. That's a joke. He's been in some of the worst movies ever made. <laughs> and, but, but Shaq was my favorite basketball player. And listen, for a couple years of my life, I watched just about every game that Shaquille O'Neal played. I had the NBA League Pass, and literally every night, I was watching his games. When I was a kid, I loved basketball, he was my favorite player, and I would sit in my backyard and I would practice shooting like Shaquille O'Neal. I thought I might get some laughs on that one, he was not a great shooter. But, but he had such big hands, he was seven foot one, over 300 pounds, and he had this shot where he would get the ball and he would just turn around and hold the ball with one hand and throw it up. So I was just this little, skinny, unathletic kid standing in my driveway practicing the Shaquille O'Neal shot over and over again. Listen. I, I know Shaq, I know his stats, I know his movies, I, I know all of it, I know him. But you know what, I don't, I don't really know him. I, I, don't, I don't really know him. You guys know me, right? I mean, you get to hear me speak every week. And maybe you kinda know me, you don't really, really know me. I was thinking about this, um, you know, my kids, my wife, the people that we live with, we get to know more and more to the point that we don't just know about them. There's knowing of somebody. There's even knowing about somebody. But then there's really deeply knowing somebody. Like, let, let me give you an example. I know when Megan calls me after school, I know what she's going to ask me. There's always a reason for the call, and it's always the same reason. It's, do you care if I go shopping here or if I go do this? There's always something there, and I can sense it because I know Megan. So I get that call, and I'm like, okay, where is she going to go today? And it's all good, but I know her well. I know what she thinks. I know what she's thinking right now. I'm not going to tell you because it's probably not good. <laughs> 
That's exactly what I thought you were going to say. I'm just kidding. I know Megan. Listen, Paul's first prayer for the people is that they would know God. And that's not that they would just like memorize scripture. That's not that just they would know about God, that they would know attributes of God. That, that it's an experience. It's the same way that I know my family because I'm with them so much, even more so, Paul prays that we would know God, the creator God. Listen, knowing is more than just knowledge. It's knowledge, it's faith, it's experience working together, and that's what Paul's praying for. Listen, I got good news for you today. The God that created all of this, the God that is over everything, the one that we hear about here that raised Jesus from the dead, that seated Jesus at the right hand, that put Jesus above all things, that God, the great big God, wants you to know him. God knows you more than you know yourself, and God wants you to know him. What an incredible thing. Does that blow your mind? Does that blow your mind? God wants you to know him, his heart, his, what he thinks, what he feels, what, he's, what he loves. God wants you to know him. And so Paul starts by praying that you would know God. And he starts and he says, he says that God may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you will know him. Listen, the only way that we can really know God is if God reveals himself to us, gives us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So in relationships, like I can know you, but until you open up, I can't really know you. The more you keep to yourself and you keep guarded, the less I will know you. Well, the way it works with God is God reveals himself. So we have God's word, we can read it, we can memorize it, but God wants to reveal himself to us through revelation, through wisdom. And so, so Paul prays that God would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we can know him more. Listen, there are a lot of people that know about God. There are a lot of people that know God's word. Let me say this. There are a lot of atheists that know God, but they don't really know God scripture. They were called the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they knew God's word. They knew the law, and they lived to it religiously like they did everything it said. They knew of God. They knew about God. They didn't know God's heart. God wants us to know him, and so Paul prays, first off, listen, as you're praying for your loved ones, first off, pray that they will know the creator God. He goes on, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Now these are kind of big picture things, to know God, but these are the most important things, to know God and to know the hope to which he has called you. Let's talk about that phrase, to know the hope to which he has called you. We have a lot of hopes, don't we? Share with someone near, next to you like, or around you, like what have you hoped for this week? I know at some point this week you said, I hope blank. What have you hoped for? I hope, I hear a few of you talking, that's good. I hope the Bengals win. I hope the Bengals win. Let's, let's take this a step further. I hope the Bengals win a playoff game. Woo! There we go. <laughs> I, I hope I get that promotion. 
I hope we get that house. I hope I don't get sick. We have a lot of hopes. I hope that my kid makes the team or my kid makes good grades. We have a lot of hopes. Listen, Paul prays that we would know God. Paul prays that we would know the hope to which he has called us. Listen, all of those things I just mentioned, those are good hopes. They're good. I mean, it's good to have good health. It's good to, to have a promotion or whatever. Those, are, those aren't bad things to pray for. But the thing we need more than anything else is to know the hope that we have in Christ. That, that's the most important thing because where our hope is is where our heart will be. And so if our hope is in the right place, our heart will be in the right place. What is our hope in Christ? Paul has just talked about it. It's that we are chosen that we have been chosen by the Almighty God, that we have been saved and forgiven of our sins. We, we have hope in that we don't have to live in that life anymore. We have hope in the fact that we are redeemed. Listen, I, I don't, I don't wanna be judgmental, but there are some people that don't believe that we can get past our sinful nature. There are people that don't believe that God can change us and make us holy and righteous. We have the hope of Christ. Later it says the power at work in us is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. We have the hope of redemption. When we look around the world, there is a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of pain. Sometimes we as followers of Christ could, get, could be tempted to think that there's no hope there. Listen, the hope of Christ is that God's kingdom is coming it's happening. He's redeeming and restoring all things. And we can hope in that. Listen, if you hope for a new promotion, that may work out well. It may not. If you hope for good grades for your kids, that may work out well. It may not. If you hope for earthly things, it may work out okay. Paul prays that we would hope for kingdom things, for eternal things that we would know the hope to which we are called. We serve a God that loves us, that has chosen us, that has adopted us and redeemed us, and a God that is bringing his kingdom here on earth. That's the hope that we have. The next thing he prays for, that we would know the hope to which he's called you and that we would know the riches of his glorious inheritance. So we have lots of different hopes. Paul prays for us to know God's hope. The second thing he says is the riches. You know that you're rich, right? Everybody nod your head if you, raise your hand if you think you're rich. Okay, not many of you think you're rich. Let me tell you why you're rich. Let me tell you why you're rich. I mean, first off, just, just even worldly, you live in the richest country, one of the richest countries in the world. You live in one of the richest areas of one of the richest countries. You probably don't have to worry too often about what you're going to eat in your next meal. There are people all over the world that would look at all of us and say, man, they are rich. I'm talking about earthly riches here. Let me tell you why you're really rich. Hey, look around you. Just go ahead. Swivel your head around. Look around. You see everyone here? We're rich because we're here together. Our riches in Christ are that we can know God, that the God that created it all wants to be in relationship with us, wants unity with us. The second reason we're rich is we have each other. 
My dad always said this thing. He would do, um, you know, funerals and weddings and all these things, and he had this saying. He would say, the riches of life are not found in the material possessions. Rich, the riches of life are found in the people that God chooses to share li- for us to share life with. By the way, that's not his exact quote. I made that up right now, but that's what he means. That, that we are rich because we have a God that loves us, that wants to be unified with us, and that we are given people to walk this journey with. Look around you again. You are rich because you are here today with these, the best people on earth. Look at someone and say, you're the best person on earth. Come on now. We are rich, and it's not about money, and it's not about cars, and it's not about houses. It's not about any of that earthly stuff. We are rich because God loves us, and God is one with us, and God calls us to love each other. Listen, there are far too many churches, far too many churches that are not unified in Christ. Now, I know that all of us could sit here and we could argue over what music we sing, We could argue over how the sanctuary is decorated. We could argue over the lights. We could argue over all of these different things. We are rich in that we are unified in Christ. God wants us to know him and to know each other and to walk together in this journey and to be the kingdom here on earth. And guess what the kingdom doesn't look like? fighting and arguing over silly things. The kingdom looks like a bunch of people who are different, loving each other, loving God, and worshiping together. We are rich. Paul prays that we would know him, that we would know our hope in him, and that we would know our riches in him. Just like if you have the right hope, your heart will be in the right place. If you value your riches and earthly things, you're going to end up lost. You are lost. Our riches are in our God in heaven and the love that we have for each other. The riches of our glorious inheritance. We are rich. And listen, I I, I just want to point something out. When I use the word inheritance, sometimes we can think that we're talking about something far off. But my mom passed away a few years ago and I had never really thought at all about inheritance And all of a sudden, those conversations started to happen. We started to talk about inheritance. And sometimes we view inheritance as something that we're going to get in the future. Let me tell you one of the reasons you're rich today. Your inheritance in Christ is not something you have to wait for. It is something that's coming, but it's something that's here. You can be one with Christ today. You can be one with the people around you today, and we can receive our inheritance in Christ and live in it every day. You have a rich inheritance in Christ. I pray that you would know it. And the third thing he prays that we would know is his incomparably great power for us who believe. Let's talk about the power of God. There are far too many times where we play church. We have church in a box. We come and we sing and we, you know, we participate and we pray and we read our Bible and, and, and it's, all, it's all good, it's all nice, but it, it's, it's lacking the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul says, I pray that you would know the power, the power 
know his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. The power that Paul prays for them to know, the power that we should know as the followers of Christ is the same power that raised Christ from the dead, the same power that seated Christ above all things. So we look around the world and we think, ah, oh, there's a lot of darkness, there's a lot of powers I pray that you would know the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. Sometimes we look at things and we think that can't be redeemed. That person's too far gone. That situation's too messed up. The power at work in you is the same as the power that raised Christ from the dead. We have a glorious inheritance that we live in today and we are filled with the power of the Spirit that can do all things. Jesus is above all things. He was raised from the dead. He was seated at the right hand, and he rules over everything. Let me tell you what that means. He rules over pandemics. He rules over governments. He rules over families. He rules over brokenness. We can't settle for less than the power of God at work in us. Paul prays that you would know God that you would know where your hope is, that you would know where your riches are, and that you would be filled with the power of Christ. Man, I'm sorry to get all excited. I'm pretty excited today. I'm sorry for those of you that are new. I cry a lot. That's what I do. My prayer for us as a church is that we would know him more. I don't care if you've been in this church for 90 years or if this is your first day. I don't care if you've been a Christian for 90 years or you're not yet. My prayer is that you will know the almighty God who loves you and chooses you and wants to redeem you and wants to walk with you every day. My prayer is that you would know where your hope is found. It's, it's, thank God it's not in the Bengals. It's not in a promotion. It's not in your kids' grades. It's in his kingdom coming I pray that you would know your riches, that you're not rich because of the car you drive or the house you live in or the money that you have. You're rich because God loves you and wants you to know him and brings you together with a family of believers that love and support and are one in Christ. And I pray that you would know and experience the power of God in your life. Man, as we pray for the people around us, as we pray for our loved ones, don't settle for praying for protection. Don't settle just for praying for health or nice days or happiness or contentment. Let's pray for what really matters, to know God our creator, to know our hope, to know our riches, and to be filled with his power. The worship team is gonna come up and this is what I want you to do. There are cards in the seat in front of you. Uh, over, through this month, as we talk about prayer, we're building a prayer wall here. And so this is what I want you to do. There should be a card like this in the seat in front of you. Go ahead and grab it. If there's not one, just kind of wave at someone and say, hey, can you pass me one of those cards? There should be a card and there should be a pen. And you guys are all sitting there doing nothing. I need you to grab the card and grab the pen. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to respond today by writing out a prayer. And you don't, you don't have to, listen, I, I want you to do what God puts on your heart, but this is what I would like you to do. I would like you to write the names of your loved ones, the people that God is calling you to pray for. 
You don't have to put your name on this. We're not going through and scrutinizing each one like this. We're putting these up here and praying together. But I'd like you to write the people that you're going to be praying for. And then if there's a prayer that God's laid on your heart as you've heard his word today, I want you to write that down. And and I want you, as we sing this last song, when when uh, when you're done writing, I want you to bring them and I want you to lay them on one of these two altars right here. And we're going to put it and build our prayer wall together. But listen, don't settle for less than God's best. God loves you. God loves your, loves your loved ones. The ones that are the furthest away, God loves. We have hope in Christ. We are rich in Christ. And we are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit that can do all things. As you respond... Just bring these up to the altars, and, and I would challenge you to go ahead and start praying for. And, and as I close this, I just want to bring us back to where we were at the beginning, that God doesn't just call us to passively pray. God wants to use us to bring about these changes. God wants to help your loved ones know him through you to know their hope through you, to know the riches through you, to know the power through the power at work in you. And so let's pray for our loved ones, but let's pray every day and know that God is going to use us. Father, we love you today. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your word. I thank you that we can know you. I pray you'd speak to us. Um, Help us to, to write the prayers that you're putting on our hearts, Lord, and help us to just surrender to you fully. Don't let us settle for less than your best, Lord. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' wonderful, powerful name we pray. Amen.